the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, quick uh, homework for you. Uh, there was an interesting question on my Facebook feed this morning, and uh, it was, what was the number one song on your 12th birthday? And uh, I saw some interesting songs, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves, My Share, and some other stuff. Uh, mine was The Righteous Brothers, and You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Uh, there's people on the left that would probably tell you I've never had uh, love in my heart at any time, but that's not true. Uh, You've Lost That Love and Feeling was the number one song. So, Heidi, when you were 12 years old, I want you to go on the Internet and tell us what was the number one song on your birthday uh, when you were 12 years old. And J.R. Davis is with us. And J.R., are you, you're by your uh, laptop or something, aren't you? There he is. We got him now. So, Jr., I want you to look. Uh, I want you to tell me what was the number one song for you. I couldn't quite hear you there. Uh, there was some, I think I was getting you and Hugh Hewitt at the same time. So what was the, what was the question? Oh, the question was an easy one. It's, when you were 12 years old on your birthday, what was the number one song? Oh, uh, on my birthday, uh, it was... Uh, uh, Candle in the Wind by Elton John. There you go. Candle in the Wind by Elton John. Great song, by the way. Yeah. Great song. Of course, that came off as Goodbye Yellow Brick Road LP. It was a big song then. Then it came around and was a big song again after Princess Princess uh, Diane died. And uh, he performed that at her uh, funeral, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, right. so yeah, that, that's a big, 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 big song. So, Heidi, you're the you're the young one here. Uh, at 12 years old, uh, what was that like last week? Wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it was 2007. <laughs> okay, so what was the number one song on your birthday? It was "Irreplaceable" by Beyonce. No, oh, okay. Well, at least it wasn't. You know, the Ring song. I'm glad to hear it wasn't that one. But anyway, yeah, that's 
Beyonce. That's interesting. I bet you're, you would be the youngest that we would hear from today. But I'm going to just kind of put that out for everybody. If you give us a call, uh, I'll put you on the air. And here in the first hour, JR on with us, we can talk a little bit about that. Because it, it's kind of interesting how music changes over the years and what were the number one songs. Now, the number one song uh, in 1960. What uh, five when I was uh, twelve years old was uh, "Wooly Bully" by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. That's a great song. Yeah, which is really interesting because it was never number one during the year, but it it, it hung around at the very top of the charts so long oh. over the year that it ended up. Uh, being the number one song. I thought that was kind of interesting as well. I, I don't know if there's very many songs that have been able to uh, to do that, hang around two, three, and four, and make yourself number one for the year. Anyway, J.R. Davis is here from the Gilmore Group. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, local politics and uh, a little bit about national politics. I want to ask him about uh, uh, the uh, convention. It sure sounds to me like Biden is all over himself about let's put some we want to put the 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 convention back into august not july back to august please uh it sounds he he almost sounds like he's terrified of being in uh uh in in july so uh we'll see what jr's got to say about that but right now the the governor's done a uh in everybody's estimation basically has done a pretty good uh job in handling uh, the uh, virus outbreak here in the state of Arkansas. We are 32nd in the United States as far as cases go of the virus. And uh, just the other day, he made a move, uh, closing down some state parks because too many people were coming from outside our state and uh, gathering in the state parks, and he wants that to stop. So, uh, what do you think, Jr.? Do you do you, do you think that the, the governor's done a good job? Yeah, I think he's been the exact kind of leader that we need uh, in this state for something like this. I mean, you know, I've talked about it before, Dave, but he's the most prepared and experienced governor in all fifty states. Um, you know, because of what he's experienced before being, you know, in the Congress and then uh, administrator of the DEA and then the first undersecretary of Homeland Security where he was in charge uh, of our border security and 100,000-plus employees. So uh, he's, he's had a lot of experience. He knows a lot of people, but he also has that calming demeanor uh, that when he's doing these daily updates, he's just getting information. He's just sort of you know passing this information along to the people of Arkansas and then telling them what we're doing about it. I think it's calming. I think it provides confidence. And I think what you're seeing in Arkansas as a whole as a result, <clears throat> excuse me, as a result of that uh, are, you know, there is the fact that people are listening uh, to the governor's guidance, to Secretary Smith's guidance, um, to stay in place, practice uh, social distancing, you know, don't go out if you don't have to, that sort of thing. And what we saw uh, and the announcement yesterday is that because a lot of these other states have closed down state parks, uh, they're, they're starting to come into Arkansas. And I think yeah. the statistic was around 60% of park visitors uh, were from out of state. 
which is obviously, you know, great for the tourism economy, but probably not at the moment uh, with so many people gathered together on those trailheads and things like that. So made the decision to shut a lot of those trailheads down, which is appropriate. Also sent a request to the uh, Interior Secretary asking them to uh, shut down the Buffalo National River uh, because, again, we've seen uh, much larger groups than 10 that kind of overwhelmed that area. You know, two days ago, we saw the Democrat Gazette announced that the the big, you know, Buffalo River Outdoor Center, uh, which is sort of the main uh, place to get canoes and kayaks and that sort of thing, they closed down uh, through the end of April. So I think what we're seeing is we're seeing some success uh, in in the efforts to, you know, uh, stop the spread of this virus across the natural state. The governor brought out a chart and showed that we're below the projected line at this point in time, which is great. And that's something they're going to continue to monitor because, like we've seen, Dave, that could spike. Um, but right now, I feel like we're, we're, you know, our Kansans are kind of heeding the call. Uh, they're making right decisions. We just got to continue to be disciplined in that effort so we can get through this safely and more quickly than what many are probably projecting at this point. Well, I know that I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing my social distancing. I'm staying home. I've been since uh, that this has been put into effect by the president. I've been doing my show from my house in the dining room. And thank goodness we've got the type of technology that we have so people can tune in and they can listen to the show. It sounds like I'm sitting right there in the, in the studio. It does. Uh, you know, and, and if you if you take a look at uh, at your uh Dave Ellswick Facebook live uh, post, uh, you'll see it's empty in that studio. I'm not there. JR is not there. JR is doing a good job of social distancing. He's got he's got some medical problems uh, from the past that uh, have said that he should stay away from people. Uh, he's admitted that his wife has has uh, taken over the uh, the place of the Ayatollah, keeping him in the house, <laughs> just like my wife has. Uh, she care. I'm going to tell you what. My wife cares more about my health than I do. She really does. I mean, I have people like that in our lives. Yeah, I I agree. I actually went for a ride with her. That's today, Wednesday. It must have been Monday. I got to actually get out of the house and in the car and ride to the Dairy Queen to get a chocolate shake. I felt like a little kid. You remember when you were a little kid and Dad would say, hey, let's go to Dairy Queen, and everybody, yeah, and jump up and run? Uh, that's the way I did and got in. Uh, Doc says I'm doing well. I'm moving right along, and uh, so that's good. When I get home today uh, from the doctors, um, my number one thing to do, I've got some leaves still in the backyard. I'm going to burn those suckers. I'm going to burn them. So if you live around my house, and you'll know if you have, you've probably been over and had strawberry shortcake or something like that at my house, uh, you'll be able to smell the leaves burning. And no, it's not the fall. It is the spring. And and, and speaking of spring today, sunny for most of the day. Clouds are moving late this afternoon, 73 uh, for a high. Uh, The clouds get here about 3 in the afternoon tonight. Showers really late, and by late I mean more early morning than late night. Uh, they're saying 3 or 4 a.m. We should start to see some showers move into the area, 53 for a low. And tomorrow, mostly cloudy, uh, rainy, 
About a 66% chance of rain all day long. Thunderstorm around the area as well, 68. Currently in Little Rock, it's 53. Traffic and weather, we do it every 10 minutes on 9. So we can come back now and talk about the way that the governor has handled uh, this uh, outbreak of the virus, the way that the legislature has worked along with him. Does this bode well uh, for the Republican Party in November? We'll talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. J.R. Davis is our guest from the Gilmore Group. We return in just a moment. All right, if you're wondering what the temperatures are out and about uh, in Conway right now, 54 degrees, Cabot Hot Springs, 53, Pine Bluff, 54 and uh, here in Little Rock, it's 53 degrees. J.R. Davis is our guest. He'll be with us for this hour. We're going to talk a little bit more about local politics uh, today than we have over the last few uh, weeks because we've been talking about the coronavirus most of the time. Well, the coronavirus, we know what's happening with that. You're at home probably, just like I'm at home doing my show, and just like Jr. is at his house uh, doing the social distancing uh, we're supposed to do. And evidently, uh, it's working because uh, Arkansas is number 32 out of 50 as far as cases go of uh, of uh, coronavirus, which is, uh, you know, it's a good thing. Don't want to be number one there. New York City is number one at this time. They are the hot spot uh, in in the in the country. I was watching Fox and Friends before I came on today, and uh, there was a doctor in Brooklyn who was just saying uh, that they were going to be out completely out of respirators by the end of the day, and they were they were needing more respirators, and they were they were talking about there's some serious situations going on right now, Jr. No, certainly. I mean, I think they, they had the deaths in New York City double over a 72-hour period. And and so I think that just goes to the point that we keep hearing. I, and I know it's a little bit foreign to maybe some of us here in Arkansas because we're not seeing what states like New York, Washington State, Southern California. What yeah, we don't want to see it either. We don't want to see it. But I think, too, it's, it's, it's difficult when someone says, hey, you know, the worst isn't. Uh, we haven't seen the worst yet. Uh, it's going to continue. You're seeing timelines uh, on into the summer. Uh, you heard Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, say that it could be the entire summer. Uh, and that's not wrong. And that, that's a very real possibility because the last thing you want to do, Dave, is say, you know, let's open the restaurants back up and let's let people go back out because we all know that all of us have some cabin fever to an extent. What you don't want is for everybody to rush out uh, and and have a, a breakout again where this thing was supposedly dying down. But I think we're a long way away from uh, the apex uh, of of this virus and the spread of that. Um, so again, you know, Arkansas is doing well. There's 37 states in the country that have issued some uh, you know order to stay at home. Uh, Arkansas is not one of those states, and I just kind of want to address that for a moment. I think we are uh, – it's, it's for Arkansas, for any state, it's good to have a governor who can lead, uh, who has experience in these type of situations, um, though this one is unprecedented. But what you see, Dave, and you've been around for a while, and you know that sometimes governors tend to do what other governors do, yep. just not to look bad. 
And uh, our governor, I think, is very thoughtful uh, and, and very methodical in his approach to this particular crisis in that we have shut down a lot of things. We're doing, he is doing his best to maintain uh, a, a somewhat you know, economic picture as we head into the summer months uh, without shutting the entire state down. We're still seeing success uh, with the spread of the virus. Uh, but what we don't want to do, Dave, is put people's financial uh, stability at risk for the foreseeable future, because that's what's going to happen if we shut this state down entirely. If you look at states across the union, uh, a lot of these executive orders, and to the governor's point yesterday, he said this in the news conference, uh, these uh, you know, most of these governors are broadening the definition of essential services in their executive orders, so essentially everything is essential. Uh, and so you're not really shutting down these businesses. And so if you know the governor said if he needs to do something like that to send a message, he may well do that in time. Uh, but the point of it is, Dave, if you're going to do something, you want it to matter. Uh, and if you shut down all non-essential businesses right now, we still don't know how long this is going to last. So you That's have to right. be very careful when you do that. So you're causing as little harm as possible to what will be a very, very long road back for the Arkansas economy if we do this sort of knee-jerk reaction. So just keep that in mind. The governor is going to continue to monitor the situation with his team, uh, as he has done. Uh, he's put together a great team with Secretary Smith at Health, uh, our Surgeon General Greg Bledsoe. We've seen Mike Preston with Commerce. We saw Stacey Hurst with Parks Heritage and Tourism yesterday. So he's got a really good team around him to continue to monitor the situation. And so when the when the big decisions need to be made, they certainly will be. And then we made in a timely fashion. Uh, but the people of Arkansas should rest assured that they have the right person in the office for a crisis like this. Yeah, I agree. And let's just talk. I mean, you got to talk politics with all of this because how is it going to play out? Uh, the governor has done a good job. Uh, the legislature will be in session next week. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be at the Capitol or not. Probably not. They'll probably do the whole social distancing thing again. Yeah. Uh, you know, with that all happening, uh, I think this, uh, you know, politically, there's not much to complain about about what the government has been doing thus far. Would you agree? And I think that it doesn't. There's no negatives that I'm seeing uh, for November at this time. No, I think that the state has really uh, come together uh, to fight this. And, 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 and the good news is, Dave, I think, you know, not just the governor's office or, you know, say the lieutenant governor or attorney general, uh, but both chambers and legislature, all members, I think, have come together and realized, hey, this is not the time for politicking. This is a crisis. Let's come together as we have done in the past as Arkansas, as Arkansans, as a state, uh, and, and pass what we need to pass and, uh, and, and then go back to the, you know, uh, practicing of social distancing and trying to get this thing beyond us so we can move back uh, to normal or at least somewhat normal in the next couple of months. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the way our legislature uh, has worked quickly through this, uh, including Speaker Shepard uh, and uh, President Pro Tem uh, Hendren, uh, and just the the, uh, the leadership they've shown throughout this and the ability to work with the governor's office to make sure that everything is ironed out. And that special session was 
in and out. They were here, they were gone. Uh, still managed to practice social distancing throughout that whole uh, ordeal. So um, I think we'll probably see the same uh, if the fiscal session uh, continues uh, as scheduled for April the 8th. You'll probably see the Jack Stevens Center again for the House, uh, similar setup in the Senate uh, as the special. So um, I- I've been really proud of the way our state has handled this and how we've come together, and not just our state, Dave, our local businesses. Uh, and the one oh, yeah. that stepped up to say, hey, we're going to do this together. Uh, we talked about some of our, you know, restaurants around town who, you know, could have complained and gotten frustrated. And this is their livelihood and they it, but they right. adapted. There was an, okay. an adaptation. JR, keep, so, keep your thoughts, yeah. all right? We've got to grab the news. It's up next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Then JR and I will be back. We are back with you. J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group is with me. And uh, we are talking about, uh, of course, the coronavirus. We're talking basically about how has the state handled it. Uh, Both J.R. and myself agree. We think that the governor has done a a great job in uh, walking the state through these trying times. And uh, you were making a point about the uh, the session, the fiscal session that's coming up on the 8th of this month, that's next Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, and that uh, it'll probably be over at the uh, at UALR's campus and the big uh, yeah. you know, basketball arena there. Yeah, and we'll have to see exactly uh, what decisions made with that. But, yeah, that's what happened in the uh, special. It seemed to work out pretty well as far as, you know, still you know, with 100 100- members, um, and obviously not all will be there for that. We saw our uh, representative Murdoch uh, was uh, confirmed uh, to have coronavirus uh, yesterday, I believe. That was brought up in the news conference. So, and obviously we'll probably see more of those cases. Not everyone will be there, but when you're dealing with a body of 100 and you want to practice social distancing, that seemed to work out pretty well uh, there in the Jack Stevens Center. So probably something similar uh, for April 8th, and we'll see if anything changes. Uh, Another point I was bringing up, Dave, is just the spirit of Arkansas, not just, you know, the the public sector side, but the private sector that stepped up in this. Uh, We've talked about a lot of these restaurants who have adapted to curbside and have done everything that they can. The cities are working together uh, with these restaurants and these businesses to try to help them uh, as far as, you know, what they can sell. Um, and what they can offer. And then just yesterday, big announcement, and Dave, you probably saw this, uh, the governor, which is what I love about what he's doing throughout all this. He's staying involved in communicating with the federal government. He's on the phone constantly with the vice president, the president, uh, Dr. Birch. Uh, but Dr. Burks, uh, she was on the phone with him yesterday. But while he's asking for things, he's also looking for what we can do as a state and what he can do with his administration to uh, procure some of these, you know, the PPEs, the N95 masks, the ventilators. Uh, he, he is literally turning over every rock to see what we can do as a state on our own. And yesterday he announced a partnership with uh, Walmart uh, and what they're doing with the New Jersey-based Quest Diagnostics to start drive-through testing for COVID-19 beginning next week in Bentonville as sort of a pilot. Um, and then they may roll that out to the rest of the state. But that's huge. And yeah. that's, Dave's what we've talked about so much, that if we can get to the point where everyone who wants a test can get a test and find out whether or not they have it, that will help us exponentially 
when we are able to identify those who are uh, carriers, whether they're asymptomatic or not, and be able to isolate those folks and make sure everyone is staying put so this thing goes away. Uh, so we're starting to see some advances there. And I just, again, I applaud the governor and his administration and also the private sector being willing to step up in a situation like this. Well, it's it's like we have seen just leaps and bounds on the test itself. It had been. It was taking days to get results. Then it was taking mm-hmm. multiple hours. And now they have a new test that uh, takes five minutes. I mean, that's incredible just the advances that we've had. And we've got to congratulate uh, uh, President Trump on that because what he's done is cut so much of that uh, governmental red tape out of the way. I can only hope that what we'll learn from this is that red tape is not necessary. Red tape typically is there just to you know protect the little fiefdoms of a lot of these governmental groups. And if we can tear a lot of that down... Yeah, there's good things that we can learn. I hope that we learn better from this than we did from 9-11, because the whole 9-11 study that they did, they haven't instituted most of that stuff at all. Well, I think we're going to be, you know, I think the fact that this is a global pandemic and it's not just affecting Arkansas or the United States, it's everywhere. I do think that this is going to force all of us to take a look uh, at you know how we can more quickly and efficiently respond to something like this in the future because it will happen again. Um, I think what's remarkable, Dave, this was in the paper this morning uh, when you talk globally that rich economies where the virus cases have exploded are now welcoming help from less wealthy ones. Right, and, and I think that's just so so interesting when you see the world and you have you know typically countries that don't get along with each other, everyone's kind of stepped up to the plate and said, okay, what can we do for, you know, uh, for our neighbors to our west or east or south or north, you know, just being able to say, look, we may disagree, but we can help. Well, and, uh, I think what's interesting is what you saw in Russia. They've sent medical equipment and masks to the U.S. Cuba has supplied doctors to France. Turkey dispatched protective gear and disinfectant to Italy and Spain. So you're seeing you're seeing a pretty remarkable uh, uh, kind of shift as far as people, you know countries working together. Now this is all going to go back to you know business as usual at some point, but it's just interesting to see how we're how we're reacting as as a sort of a, uh, you know as the whole world in one helping different countries out. It's just been uh, it's been nice to see throughout. A difficult stretch. There's only there's only been one country that's become a pariah to uh, most other countries, and uh, they're uh, they're trying to figure out their way out of it, and that's China. Absolutely, yeah, China. I mean, again, no one believes anything that's coming out of China right now, as far as uh, the cases they're seeing. We found out, I think it was earlier this week at the end of last week, that uh, they weren't even counting asymptomatic. Uh, cases in China, which was well over, I think, 1,500 in the last week. Uh, so certainly, I mean, I think, Dave, we talked about sort of the uh, uh, the, the kind of after-action report when all this settles down, how do we need to do things better as, you know, sort of a, a global um, perspective. But there also needs to be 
an investigation, and we've talked about this before, into China, how this virus got out there in the first place, what took place in those critical days where China basically misled the World Health Organization with false or doctored data, which would have helped and, and, and sent a signal uh, to every country how serious this was. Um, was, and and so it, that's that. Those are two things that need to happen. How do we how do we approach something like this better and more efficiently the next time around? And also, how did this start? There needs to be sanctions on China. Let's get to the bottom of it. Yeah, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Uh, the person that was sounding the alarm here in the United States happens to be the junior senator from Arkansas, Tom Cotton. He was the one that was calling everybody, saying, "Hey." You need to be paying attention to this. The problem was everybody was paying attention to what? The impeachment hearings that yeah. the Democrats were pushing uh, for uh, several months. And, uh, yeah. you know, it blocked out all other news coverage, basically. You're exactly right. And, uh, I mean, I've been very, very impressed with, I mean, obviously impressed with, with Senator Cotton for a while. But I think just being able to. You know, I read there was a National Review article uh, about yes. him, and uh, I thought it was interesting how he basically, you know, he kind of heard about this on his own. He dug into it. He started seeing the reports out of East China and what was happening there on the grounds, and he's the one that really rang that bell and tried to get people to listen. Uh, and, you know, on, on, kudos on his part for doing so. It's frustrating that it took so long for others to listen. Uh, but you're right. You know, impeachment was happening. It was taking up a lot of the, the bandwidth there in Washington. I, I will say this, and this irritates the heck out of me, but uh, you saw Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe uh, say something. Don't get me started on him. How everybody, <laughs> all, so everybody knew this. Everybody knew yeah. this was coming in early January. And then yeah. I love that, you know, the Internet being the Internet and trolls being trolls and everybody goes out there and finds the only mention of uh, the coronavirus in January on Morning Joe was on January 24th. And it was some health expert that basically said, don't worry about this. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And so I just think it's so funny. And, and the media, you know, you talk about just, how, you know, the national media it's not all bad, but the ones like that, the bad actors, the ones that make people frustrated and think that you can't trust them because they blatantly mislead people. That's a perfect example. Nobody, other than Senator Tom Cotton, who was right about it, nobody thought this was going to be what it is today. Uh, and I don't think anyone really thought that until, uh, you know, that, that, that Tuesday, early March, uh, Dave, when they canceled everything. I think everybody yep. started taking a, Wow, this this is serious. This is a big deal, um, and and so for someone like Joe Scarborough to go out there on on a national uh, news program and say something that is absolutely false, and then try to blame the president because of it, uh, that's why people don't trust the national media. Well, that's why people for sure don't trust MSNBC anymore. Uh, they are the only news channel that was absolutely flat. During the last quarter, they showed no, uh, you know, movement of building their audience. Fox was number one. They increased their viewership by 38 percent. CNN was in uh, the very low 20s and even CNBC went up. But MSNBC was flat and uh, 
their uh, number one talk show, uh, which is, of course, Maddow, uh, is in a tailspin right now. So they're, you know, they and they attacked Bernie Sanders as well during that first quarter, and it's not playing well with their core uh, viewership. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Let's talk about the conventions. I, I mentioned about that. I want to talk about it with you. Does it benefit Biden? We'll talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget uh, the other voice that you're hearing is J.R. Davis. J.R. and I found that we had pretty good chemistry while he was the spokesman for the governor's office. And so he continues on now that he's with the Gilmore Group and he's with us every Thursday at uh, at six o'clock. More with Jr. when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, uh, final segment with Jr. this morning. Uh, coming up uh, after uh, seven, at 7.05, we'll have Congressman Jack Kingston from Georgia on with us. Talk to him about uh, the federal response to the coronavirus and the health response uh, going on with the coronavirus. I want to talk to him about uh, New York, of course. Uh, they are the hot spot right now. Forty percent of all. Uh, coronavirus cases right now are located in uh, New York City and the state of New York. So something to to be talking about here uh, later on today. But right now, uh, uh, Gorka just kind of mentioned it to us about it, Jr. Uh, The Democrats talking about perhaps canceling uh, their convention find that kind of interesting biden has said yeah let's cancel it if if at most we should push it all the way back uh to uh august i don't think that a lot of this is all set up just as um, a health thing i think there's some uh, strategic maneuvering going on by the democratic party because right now uh you know they're not showing a whole lot of excitement in the democratic party for this election coming up in November? No, they're not. And you wonder uh, that not just strategy, but also Biden trying to be relevant through all of this. Uh, You know, I had a conversation earlier this week with uh, one of the partners at our firm um, just discussing the absolute lack of any sort of leadership from the Democratic Party or their candidate they wanted so badly uh, back in February, uh, uh, you know, with Joe Biden. And now you've got Joe Biden who, now granted, look, he's just in that age category. He has to be secluded, but he can't be, you know, but so is the president. He's out there every single day. I just think there's such a contrast between the two candidates right now. And I'm not just talking about this from a Republican's perspective. I mean, you've got one man who's basically locked in a basement who's doing videos uh, yeah, you know, uh, every day trying to stay relevant, and no one's paying attention to them. And we're talking about the national media too; they're not even running these pieces. Uh, every once in a while, they'll just to throw something on the screen, but it's been Trump from day one of this thing, uh, and and he's the one who's uh, you know out in front. There's not one other Democrat uh, that's out there uh, that's helping the situation. Um, and so, you know, Dave, to be honest, I don't know. I don't know what the Democrats can do as long as this COVID-19 virus sticks around. I don't know what they're going to be able to do to stay relevant. I, I just I think they're they're hurting for some sort of relevancy right now. 
and I think the guy they really, really wanted and championed so hard to get in Joe Biden is not turning out to be the leader uh, that the American people need in a time of crisis. Yeah, I want everybody to think about that. What would it have been like right now if Joe Biden had been president? I just ask you, what would it be like? I don't know about you, but it, it makes me shiver. And I'll tell you what else makes me shiver. Thank God that Hillary Clinton is not the president of the United States right now. I'm just telling you, it's, uh, it's not good. I mean, look, the president is keeping his eye on the ball in all areas. He's dealing with this crisis that we've got with health. And, uh, and I think he's doing uh, a very good job. What he's done is done what most CEOs do. Uh, when something comes up, you get the best people you can get and tell them we need to know what to do, and then you listen to them, and that's what he's doing. The other thing he's doing, you got Pompeo out there that's uh, warning him about that Iran's got something up their sleeve somewhere. And don't don't think that Iran wouldn't try something while everybody's defenses are kind of, you know, down like they are right now. So the president yesterday just made this, this statement, you try anything, you attack our troops, you will pay a huge price for that, period. Not, didn't say anything else. That was it. Didn't, wouldn't even talk about it after that. Was just sending a direct message to the Ayatollahs over there. I, I like this president. I think he's doing a, a great job. He is the perfect man in this situation. Well, again, I think that uh, when you look at the other possibility in Joe Biden, yeah. Uh, it's hard to have any sort of confidence uh, that, you know, if he was president right now, he wouldn't be in some bunker, uh, you know, terrifying the American people. And look, this is not something we should be taking lightly. I mean, this is a very serious issue. For those who don't think this is an issue, you, you need to get your, your uh, head out of the ground and pay attention to what's going on. You know, the federal government just ordered 100,000 body bags. Uh, yep, from the U.S. military. Uh, you've got countries... He had Vice President Pence the other day on national television, you know, basically compare the U.S. to what's going on in Italy and saying that's probably the closest trajectory uh, that we can compare ourselves to. I mean, Italy is literally stacking up morgues and churches with caskets. So this is a very, very big deal. But I think it's so important to have a presidential figure who can be out front, can lead these daily briefings, can show some sort of confidence, because that's what the people of the United States need right now, is to have some sort of confidence that we're going to get through this, because we are, but it's going to be, it's going to take some time. Uh, and, and I do think, Dave, for those who think the president has um, continued to, uh, you know, manipulate the numbers or, you know, show the silver lining versus what's actually happening. I really appreciated yesterday him coming out saying, look, the next two weeks are going to be bad. Yeah, they're going to be brutal in really fact. Rough. Uh, and I think that's what the American people want to hear. They want to know what's going on. They want to know they're being told the truth. And they want to know that we can get through this together. And I think when you have the president and his team uh, behind him up there, uh, it, it's a to me it's a message of strength. And that is exactly what is missing from the Democratic Party right now. Yeah, I, just to, you know, I'll give you a, a little illustration just from the Ellswick family perspective. And it, it doesn't have to do uh, with uh, 
you know, the deal dealing with uh, the coronavirus goes back several years to the end uh, in the end of the uh, 90s and be, uh, beginning of the uh, 2000s. And I had been uh, hired by a, a, a big station in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, the family was getting ready to move. And uh, the station, which was owned by CBS, was bought by Mel Carmazian, and they came in, and they just bloodbathed it. Uh, and I lost a, a gig that I had had for a period of a, just a little over a month. And suddenly, no money's coming in, no nothing. And I had to sit the family down and tell them what was going on. Now... I told them what was going on and that things were going to get tight and there were some things that had to change. But I also told them that we would get through it, that uh, we had gone through tough times before uh, as a family, that the Ellswicks always stood up after being knocked down, brushed ourselves off and and made the best of the situation. And that made my kids feel better. It gave them hope. And that's what the president has done. There's nothing wrong. Uh, with the president standing up and giving hope to the American people. He's not lying to them. He's just giving them something to hold on to, just like FDR did during World War II. I mean, think about when he gave his speech about Pearl Harbor. At that moment, the United States didn't know if they were going to be able to survive as the United States, to be honest with you. But he gave us hope, and that's what those fireside chats that he did during the Great Depression and all that, that's what they were all about. Well, Jr. we're out of time. I'll get off my soapbox now, and uh, I'll let you get back to living your life. Tell me, tell me truthfully now, are you going to stay up or are you going to lay back down? I think I'm up at this point. Uh, I did go all day yesterday with a cup of coffee, which is super strange for me, so just letting you know, I may try to scrounge up some coffee this morning. So. All right. Well, you have a good day. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday. All right, buddy. Stay safe. All right. J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up when we come back, Jack Kingston will be with us, congressman from Georgia. He'll be talking to us. He'll have information here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Continue with the Dave Ellswick Show. While the president is trying to lead this nation through this pandemic and trying to make sure that he balances, uh, you know, notes of of hope and optimism with the stark reality that uh, just uh, notified uh, the American people a couple of days ago, possibility of 100 to 250,000 casualties from this virus. What's Adam Schiff doing? Congressman Adam Schiff, what's he doing? He's already planning an investigation into the response of the Trump team. 
Now, you know, Adam Schiff is the one who led the impeachment uh, uh, push. Uh, Senate uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, has said that he will refuse to work with the Democrats on anything like that, uh, especially right after you get done fighting the virus. And uh, number two, uh, Democrats within the House of Representatives are not liking the optics. Now, that optics is a word that we use in politics to mean uh, it doesn't look good uh, to the electorate. It's not that they don't think that we might, as a Democrat, you might not want to damage the sitting president before an election. Uh, God help us that we've gotten that partisan here in this in this nation at times. But uh, it, it just amazes me that shift is out there already saying, you know, we got to get ready to be able to point fingers. And, it, and this should tell you, this is what, uh, you know, I've been talking about for years now that other people have talked about for years. And that is, you know, it used to be when something really bad happened. I'll go back to World War II. Uh, Now, I know some of you are so young, you might not remember World War II at all. And some of you haven't even read about it in the history book because their schools uh, have moved away from at times teaching about it. But this nation came together because it had a common enemy. We have a common enemy right now. So it's something that we've got to, you know, come to grips with in this nation that uh, as as Franklin said at the beginning of the revolution, you know, uh, you know, bottom line, we all got to be willing to hang together or uh, uh, we're going to hang alone separately. With that in mind, Jack Kingston uh, joins us, Georgia Congressman. Jack, thanks for the time. I, I had to get that off my chest. I'm going to tell you what. I can't even I can't believe Shift is already bringing this crap up. This has got to drive you I, crazy, I, too. David, I can't either, and I, I'm 100% with you. I think it's outrageous. And, and does anybody have any faith at all that that would be a bipartisan objective review of what went wrong? And the whole premise is what went wrong. If you want to start what went wrong back in early January when the CDC started recognizing coronavirus as a problem and started saying, look, we're not getting credible uh, information out of China. We need to start an advisory committee. CDC started advising states on this way back January 8th. What was Nancy Pelosi? What was Adam Schiff doing? Impeachment full speed ahead. And, of course, that was after delaying getting it to the uh, Senate. But Adam Schiff was out there, as you'll remember, being the big prosecutor on the Senate floor, having his moment. And so if, if you really want to talk about what went wrong, you guys were focusing on impeachment because of your obsession and hatred of Donald Trump and not thinking about safety of the world. Yeah, it's not like that the Adam Schiff tell news conference and said, you know, I appreciate your questions about uh, the impeachment, but let's talk about the real enemy out there, uh, you know, the coronavirus, the Wuhan virus, as it was called then, uh, before some Democrats thought that that was a racist statement, or as I call it, the CCP virus. Bottom line, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, he wasn't talking about it. He wasn't bringing any kind of focus on that virus at all. 
I think the only comment you got out of the Democrats in January was when the president put the travel restrictions on from China, people coming from China. It was a bold move. And what what did Sleepy Joe do? He woke up from his slumbers and said, oh, xenophobic. And what did the other Democrats do? Racist. And, you know, by the way, as a kid, I remember people having German measles. I don't ever remember being called racist for that term or Spanish flu. And, uh, you know, Ebola and West Nile are named after uh, places. So I guess we hate rivers in Africa because of those names. Um, But, you know, I, I just think that right now with the president scrambling to get the private sector the best uh, maximization of the talents, whether it's logistics, getting this air bridge, the medicines distributed to the right people, or calling on uh, pharmaceutical companies to work closely with the CDC, or getting people like FedEx and UPS to deliver vital medicine and supplies to the American people. It would be so nice to think about Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Adam Schiff rolling up their sleeves and doing something about it and helping yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, starting off our, uh, our Salem newscast at the top of the hour, uh, they made mention that uh, the the ink hadn't even dr- uh, dried yet on the, the phase three bill that was passed uh, dealing with coronavirus. And in fact, I think today is the first day businesses can start applying for small business loans. Uh, loans and assistance from the SBA. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just getting started. We don't even know what kind of effect this uh, particular piece of legislation is going to have. And on top of that, now you got Nancy Pelosi already talking and saying that the Republicans uh, aren't being open about phase four. Well, let's find out what phase three is going to do first. Would you agree, Congressman? Absolutely. You know, you have a really good um, soon-to-be budget chairman when we retake the majority, and Steve Womack, um, one of your home state guys. And by the way, I, I love your delegation. You have some strong leadership. I, I I can tell you that they're in the back room when a lot of important decisions are being made. They are pushing the right buttons, and they're fighting for the conservative cause. But, um, you're, you know, you got to absorb and chew what you already have in your mouth, so to speak. And the Democrats don't want to do that. They want to rush out there. And this spending, while it is important, we have to always remember, it's still printed money. It's not real money. We're not cutting the budget elsewhere to fund this stuff. And we all agree that um, we've got to do what we've got to do. But the next step is we've got to digest what we did. And I don't, I don't think the American people are ready there. And, and by the way, the Democrats absolutely aren't wasting this crisis. I was talking to a friend in California last night. He said, you know, you can still buy a gun, even though most of the gun stores have been closed, but you can't get ammo out in California. And I, I do think what's happening is the Democrats are using these massive spending bills that are quickly passed to shove in a lot of their um, left-wing type programs. And that's why I think it is important to slow it down, make sure we're looking at this stuff very carefully. Well, evidently, Nancy Pelosi uh, added some uh, verbiage in uh, Phase 3 that is helping uh, the uber-rich out in California, uh, her included, uh, as far as taxation goes. Have you heard anything about that? Yes, she she wants to back off some of the taxes that um, the president had put into the Tax Reform Act in two, 2017. But they're always going to push for their side 
of the world or, or how they look at things. And so they have big labor um, ideas that are pushed in this bill, some of the, the new laws that uh, businesses can't get involved in, um, union organizing, for example. We know about the $35 million for the Kennedy Center. There's um, fuel restrictions on airlines. And, um, and yet, at the same time, they want to keep the southern border wide open for people coming up. So um, I, I think that we have got to put a tap on the brakes. I'm not saying we don't need to do a, a phase four, five, six, or seven, but they shouldn't all be spending bills. Some of them should be bills that change the regulations and make it easier for the private sector to rise from the ashes of this crisis. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Jack Kingston's our guest, uh, Congressman from Georgia. He'll be with us to about 25 after. We'll take a quick break right now. I know you want your traffic, you who are going to work. Most of us are staying home, social distancing and everything in effect. So uh, we'll get to your traffic. We'll give you the weather as well. Right now it's uh, 52 degrees in Little Rock and out in Conway it's 53. More with the Congressman when we continue here on the Dave Ellsworth Show 1011 FM, the answer. Well, I'll tell you what, I think that the president is doing a fantastic job under uh, incredible uh, pressures right now with the coronavirus. He's gotten some of the best minds, if not the best minds, uh, involved in this fight. The vice president has been doing a yeoman's task as well. And I talked a little bit about this in the last hour. Uh, Congressman, that uh, the president is showing that he's got his he's got his eye on other balls besides the coronavirus. That is the number one thing right now that he's paying attention to. But he sent out a a, a definite warning uh, to Iran yesterday with Secretary of State Pompeo by his side, and just today uh, they notified uh, the world, in fact that uh, U.S. naval ships were going to be out patrolling uh, the waters to uh, not allow uh, the illicit drug traffickers out there to find uh, chinks in our armor, so to speak, while our eyes are on the coronavirus. Uh, I think that shows you that the president is doing his job 100 percent. You know, it's so interesting that you point that out because a lot of people don't know. He called it the Enhanced Counter-Narcotics Operation. And um, when he, this is in partnership with 22 different countries um, and the U.S. Southern Command on Surveillance, Disruption, and Seizure of Drugs. This is stuff that would be headline news under any other circumstance. And it should not be headline news right now. But what should be headline news is that, as you're saying, with all these things going on, the president is still the commander-in-chief of the nation, doing a great job on other matters that we used to, uh, uh, well, I mean, we we sort of take it for granted that, that business is still being conducted, but we have to be, I think, alert that the world is still a dangerous place, whether it's narcotics, whether um, it's the, the border crisis of um, illegal aliens coming in, or if it's Iran, or if it's in Syria or elsewhere around the globe, all those challenges are still out there. And Lord knows what would happen if we would have a cyber attack right now, some kind of a virus. Um, with all these Americans working at home, can you imagine how you would disable our ability to communicate if that happened mm-hmm. and what a further disruption it would be? And 
So the president's put an all, all-star team together, and, you know, uh, he has turnover in his cabinet like any other uh, president has, but I think he's got great people. I I had the opportunity to serve with Mike Pence, and I can tell you, you're not going to find a finer man, a more dedicated public servant. And and he assembles good people around him. He always has. Yeah, he's a good man. He's a good friend of mine. I work talk radio with him in Indianapolis, and Mike and I know each other well. And he is what he appears to be when you see him on television and when you hear him speak. When he talks, listen, because he's giving you uh, the straight and narrow uh, that needs to be said. Jack Kingston, our guest, final question for the congressman from Georgia here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yesterday, uh, as we do each week, we had uh, French Hill on. Congressman Hill uh, joined us. And I asked him this question. I want to ask it to you as well. As a congressman, what are some things that are already formulating in your mind that as we get out of this and get on the other side, that we've got to continue to do that we started doing during this uh, this uh, challenge? And what are some things that we need to change when we get to the other side of this challenge? We, we've got to devolve centralized thinking and decision-making out of Washington, D.C., and put it back in the state capitals and the state legislatures around the country because the best solutions are the ones made locally and implemented locally. And y'all might want to do it a little bit differently in Arkansas than we want to do it in Georgia, but um, that's what we need to do. I just think devolve the power out of Washington, get back where there's fiscal responsibility and common sense. And, David, if I can say one thing as an Athens, sure. Georgia boy who, who grew up with great respect and great fear about the Arkansas Razorbacks, I am <laughs> so glad. And, and, and I can tell you, y'all never take a shortcut to the championship. I was looking at your schedule this year, at, at Alabama, LSU, Auburn. You don't take any shortcuts. No. But um, I am so glad, I'm so glad y'all went to uh, uh, grass. I just I think that it's so I, I am so tired of this artificial turf. So I, I hope it you know it I hope that uh lead is followed by other schools all around the country. Well I'll tell you what, Congressman, the people who are really happy with grass are the athletes themselves. Lots and lots of less uh knee injuries because we're going back to grass. Well, I think it just makes it a lot more real. And, you know, there's something about the mud and the grime. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm just so I'm so proud of, of uh, Chad Morris and the whole crowd for doing that. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us today, giving us some time, some great insights from you, Jack Kingston, Congressman from Georgia. Thank you very much to be part of the Dave Ellswick Show today. Thank you, David. Keep up the good work. Thank you. All right. That uh, was Jack Kingston, very, very uh, straight-speaking guy. Uh, And it's kind of what you expect from Southerners, isn't it? Direct speaking, straight on, here's what it is, here's what we need to do. And See, that's something I I hope that you'll start doing. I've been doing a little bit of it. Uh, I know the president is doing it. And that is, as they walk through this unprecedented uh, crisis that we're going through right now, I mean, the last time we had anything uh, this draconian occur to us, uh, you can say 9-11. I, I think that 9-11 uh, didn't even compare to what's going on now. I think you've got to go back to World War II. I mean, it was in World War II uh, that 
our spending was uh, like 28 to 30 percent of GDP. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to get there uh, this time or not. I, rem- I from reading my history, uh, some of the stuff that I've uh, have uh, seen is that people back in the 40s all were saying, will our economy be able to to, uh, you know, withstand the spending, the wartime spending. And, of course, a lot of us, myself included, has been asking that question again because, I mean, there's there's just not unlimited money. There's just not unlimited money as far as uh, as that's uh, concerned. And uh, it's something that we got to keep firmly in mind. The other thing is. Uh, the president has been able to cut through a lot of red tape. That's why you're seeing, you know, Abbott coming up with this uh, five-minute test, Johnson & Johnson uh, getting close now to a vaccine, evidently. Uh, it's happening because uh, he's uh, uh, keeping the government from slowing things uh, down inordinately. And uh, I think that, uh, and I think Jack Kingston touched on this matter somewhat when he said the same thing as, we, you know, you've got to get back to the Tenth Amendment, basically is what he said. And that is uh, the, the states have got to have the ability to make decisions for their states because they're the, they're, their people, their elected officials are the closest to the problem in their given states. And so you want to be able to uh, let them make uh, necessary decisions uh, as far as that's concerned. Now, what we're seeing is that some states have done better than others. Uh, I mean, uh, I think uh, uh, Governor Cuomo uh, would probably say that uh, New York and New York City specifically uh, did not prepare like they should have for something like this to happen. And we've got to remember this as we go through it this time, because this will not be the last time. Mother Nature is always changing, always moving. I mean, every uh, year you watch them uh, try to figure out which flu shot will be the best shot to give the general populace to fight the flu. And uh, sometimes they hit it out of the park. Other times they swing and they just whiff it. Just something to keep in in uh, in mind as we move forward and be thinking about what the future holds. Because we'll make we're going to make it through this. It may be painful at times, but we'll make it through. All right, rush is up. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. If you're worried about this meltdown. Uh, with the stock market, and by the way, uh, futures are looking like they're going to get step up today. However, unemployment numbers are supposed to come out later today, and that may be enough to spook the, spot, the spot, uh, stock market again. Anyway, i got great news for you. I'm going to give you some good news here. According to Forbes, uh, this could be a huge opportunity right now with the stock market going through this meltdown that it is. Uh, It's going to help you save big money on taxes in retirement. Uh, Learn how with a free tax reduction analysis uh, by phone or video conference. You don't have to go in and see David Lucas at David Lucas Financial. You can do it over the phone and uh, you can do it over uh, uh, the Internet. 
Uh, David Lucas Financial is right here in Little Rock, and they're looking forward to helping you. If you've saved more than $400,000, be one of the first 10 callers right now to schedule your free analysis at 501-222-3315. Don't wait. Do this now. Call today. That's 501-222-3315. This big drop in the stock market, well, it could be your window of opportunity to save tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, retirement taxes. Learn how, again, by calling 501-222-3315. Do not wait. Call David Lucas today. Remember, he can do all of this by phone or video conferencing so that uh, your uh, social, uh, you know, staying out of each other within six feet of each other can be uh, kept and going, doing its thing. You want to be careful about that. All right, coming up at 8 o'clock, just to uh, give you a heads up, you'll be wanting to listen. Doyle Webber join us. He's the uh, chairman of the uh, uh, state GOP, and we'll talk to him about how the coronavirus has uh, affected uh, the state party. Uh, has the time frame's been changed on anything, meetings, things of that nature? Talk to him about He's one of the big mucky mucks, I like to call him that, uh, working on the, uh, uh, the the situation with the um, uh, convention that's coming up. So we'll get to the latest on that. Uh, Democrats are the first to be out there uh, crying and, and waving the, uh, the white flag right now. Uh, Republicans uh, right now, I think, are planning still on uh, August uh, to getting together. Of course, that could change for both parties depending on what happens over uh, the next few weeks and there's a lot of things that could happen over the next few weeks I was just looking uh, at the uh, information out there about peak uh, peaks for the uh, different states of what they when they think the peak for uh, the coronavirus will be Uh, for Arkansas it is April 23rd. That's when they're saying the virus should peak and then we should start seeing things start uh, going down on the other side. The bell curve uh, is, is what we're talking about and the uh, the peak of that should be on uh, the, uh, the the 23rd. So keep that keep that in mind. Um, looking at uh, news that's breaking uh, at this hour um, the number of Americans, this is breaking news now, number of Americans filing for unemployment benefit claims surged to 6.6 million last week. That's breaking the record high for a second re- week in a row. Now, with that said, uh, with the uh, Phase 3 bill uh, that uh, has passed, uh, some of this should uh, be mitigated amongst the stock market because the federal government has made uh, some initial moves to, uh, you know, give people a little bit of a safety net to fall into, not just fall out of the, you know, the window uh, in the building and land on the street below. That's, uh, uh, looks like that's not it. Uh, Daily deaths have topped 1,000, pushing the national coronavirus toll over 
5,000 as more states now are going into uh, lockdown. And uh, Fox saying that uh, grim news of uh, coronavirus infections and fatalities continue in the U.S. uh, with the number of confirmed cases now rising above 200,000 and the number of deaths surpassing 5,000. We still haven't, we don't have 10%. Uh, of our population infected that they know of at this time. Uh, The fatalities coming out on uh, Wednesday alone topped 1,000. A one-day toll more than double that usually recorded for lung cancer and influenza, says USA Today. Some researchers have predicted U.S. coronavirus deaths could surpass 2,000 per day by mid-April, exceeding daily deaths attributed to heart disease. Now, uh, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, This is what the uh, president was talking about, that the numbers were going to climb now as more people have been found infected, more testing has been done, and uh, knowing the uh, morbidity rate of the people being infected, that we're going to see more people uh, be named and those who have died. Amid the climbing numbers, five more states, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Nevada, and Pennsylvania, added or expanded stay-at-home orders, while Michigan proposed a 70-day extension of an emergency declaration that they set to expire on April 7th. Quote, now is the crunch time for us to lessen the peak, to make the bullseye smaller so we don't overrun our health care system, said uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. He added that the next three weeks were critical for Georgia and that residents needed to, quote, hunker down. And Missouri Governor uh, Mike Parson remained among the dwindling number of governors to resist issuing a stay-at-home order uh, in the absence of a federally mandated policy, that according to the Kansas City uh, Star. Quote, right now there are still 95 counties in this state that has less than five cases of coronavirus in it, Parsons said. Uh, The majority, 75 of them, has one or two. I have to take all that into consideration as I make decisions on how it affects the economy and how it will affect those areas. President Trump has insisted that states should be free to determine for themselves which safety measures to implement, citing disparities in how the states have been affected by the outbreak. Said Trump, there are some states that are different. Uh, This reported by the AP, there are some states that don't have much of a problem. Not even second place, New Jersey, with more than 22,000 confirmed cases of the virus, came close to approaching first place, New York, which continued to lead the nation with nearly 84,000 cases. New Jersey also trailed far behind New York in deaths, with 355 compared to New York's 2,200. Nevertheless, all 50 states were grappling with a situation that members of the president's coronavirus task force confirmed this week. 
could get far worse before it gets better with the death of 100 to 240,000 Americans expected in the weeks ahead, despite the varying intervention measures. Still, other governors and states without officially declaring stay-at-home orders said they remain convinced such moves were not necessary in their states. In Nebraska, Republican Governor Pete Ricketts has said he's been relying on advice from public health experts at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, which has dealt with previous outbreaks and provided quarantine space for Ebola patients. But Ricketts has ordered restaurants either to close their dining areas or allow no more than 10 people inside at once. That's depending on their location in the state. Uh, I know that I heard yesterday uh, that Home Depot here uh, in the state of Arkansas is going to start limiting how many people can enter into a Home Depot at any given time. I don't know exactly uh, what that number is. We'll make a couple of phone calls and see if we can get uh, something clarified for us on that. But they're going to start counting you as you go into Home Depot. So they'll be keeping track of who's going in and who's going out so social distancing guidelines can be met. It's about a quarter to eight here at uh, the uh, studio in the dining room of my house here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Little Rock is showing 52 degrees. Conway, Cabot, and Pine Bluff is at 53. Hot Springs at 52. And uh, we'll have some sun today. Not as much as we had yesterday. Then late in the afternoon, clouds will start moving in around 3 o'clock. And uh, we'll get to a high today of 73 degrees late, late tonight, moving into the early morning hours. Uh, showers will move into our area. So if you want to do some, uh, you know, work out in the, the yard, gardening, things of that nature, uh, this is the time uh, in the day to do it because the rain's going to start uh, early in the morning and is going to go through a majority of next week. Every day has got a pretty good chance of rain here in central Arkansas. With that all said, let's get a break, our final break for the 7 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. Final segment here uh, for the 7 o'clock hour. Australian scientists announced today that the country's National Science Agency has started the first stage of testing for two potential coronavirus vaccines, including one that's made by a U.S. company. Uh, the two trials have been cleared for animal testing by the WHO. And by the way, the WHO full of crap. I mean, they protected uh, the Chinese early on in all of this. They ran uh, interference for them. So people wouldn't know that because they weren't offering us clear statistics that we could make informed decisions. I don't know why anybody would want to pay any attention to the WHO, and I don't, uh, I got to say, I can't believe that the world's uh, countries have not demanded that the uh, upper, uh, you know, reaches of their uh, uh, people who run that organization have not been replaced. But scientists are cautioning any vaccine likely wouldn't be ready until late 2021. 
Uh, quote, we're still sticking to the optimistic 18 months for delivery of a vaccine to the general consumer, said Rob Grenfell, the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization's Director of Health. That was something that he told Reuters. He said their scientists are working at a remarkable pace, reaching the clinical trial for phase, a process that usually takes two years, and they're doing that in they did that in two months. Again, a lot of that's happening because they're cutting a lot of red tape. Not a bad thing. The potential vaccines were made by San Diego-based uh, uh, Innovio Pharmaceuticals and Oxford University. The U.S. conducted the first human trial in March on a separate potential vaccine at the Kaiser Research Facility in Seattle, having skipped animal testing. Uh, The scientists will inject ferrets with the potential vaccines in the first stage of testing, according to Reuters. If we can stop that virus binding to the ferret receptors in the respiratory system, there's a good chance it's going to work in humans, said uh, Grinnell. He said human trials likely will start in late April or early May. All of the vaccine candidates actually have a multitude of other companies and organizations involved because no single organization can actually produce a vaccine. That's uh, according to the uh, BBC. So that's the latest on that. Thought that you'd uh, want to uh, to hear that story. And then Tom Holman out in the news again. You know, Tom was the head of ICE for years. He's been on my show uh, several times, keeping you up to date on what's happening on the border. And uh, I should be looking into getting Tom back on here within the next couple of weeks. Uh, he is saying that uh, the president won't let drug uh, cartels exploit the pandemic. We saw some movement on that uh, just today as the president uh, got uh, uh, Navy ships involved in going over and taking uh, care of uh, people who were trying to run drugs here into the United States at that time. Uh, a nurse was killed by her boyfriend, a, fo- a nurse as well. Uh, and, and, and we're going to get people that have uh, a situation uh, where people that are not mentally stable are going to do things like this. But uh, a man killed his would-be uh, bride, uh, and uh, they were engaged, so his fiance, because he said she gave him coronavirus. Uh, stories like that are disturbing uh, when when you when you uh, hear about it. I mean, it's just something that you, you hear and you go, I can't believe it. And uh, here, last story for you, and then I'll uh, go back over some of the things that we've heard thus far today. Uh, a Michigan couple sat to get married. They set up all to get married this Saturday. So they uh, know about the social distancing. They don't want to put their guests uh, at risk have added a few less last-minute guests to their wedding ceremony amid restrictions on la- large gatherings due to the, uh, the, the virus outbreak. With uh, many of Dan Skuglick and Amy Simonson's roughly 
160 invited guests unable to attend because of the virus and social distancing concerns. The groom came up with an idea to fill the seats for when his soon-to-be wife walks down the aisle. The pair had been planning the ceremony for months, and while most of the guests will be friends and family, the rest will be cardboard cutouts. I mean, you go to the Dave Ellswick studio, which I'm not at right now. I'm at my uh, dining room because I'm doing social distancing because I'm of the age group that uh, stands to to get this virus uh, uh, that's out there. Quote, I didn't like the idea of Amy having to walk down the aisle with no one in the pews. That seemed like a very lonely walk. So I wanted something to represent the guests, said uh, uh, Stuglick. Uh, from Indiana's WSBT-TV. He went to the Menasha Packaging uh, up in uh, Michigan to find out if they could meet his needs, and to his surprise, they went far beyond his expectation, uh, expectations. I went to just buy a few sheets of cardboard, and they went in and bought, brought in a designer and made some, he said. So they, they made all these different uh, cardboard uh, cutouts for this uh, uh, groom and and uh, bride. It was awesome because they donated all of it because we imagined an oval and that would be good. But they said, hey, we made females, males, and couples. Even if Gus failed to attend their big night, the couple can now, quote, visualize who would be where. We know that they're still there in spirit if they're not in the building to watch and just in cardboard, said the bride. Following what's guaranteed to be a well-attended ceremony, the couple said they'll be substituting a reception uh, for a simple home-cooked meal. So everybody is doing whatever they can do to make uh, life as normal as they can with all these special things that are going on normally in your life uh, you don't have to, you know, put it to the side. By the way, if you go to uh, Fox News, uh, they got some pictures of what it looks like with all those cardboard cutouts that would be uh, sitting there. It's kind of interesting in, in the way they had it set up because they have, like, two chairs, and it looks like they've got uh, a device around each chair with some uh, netting or something uh, around those chairs. Kind of cool-looking. Uh, but they're going to continue on with their uh, particular uh, wedding ceremony. So our best to the bride and groom on that and hope that it's a good day. When we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we're going to have uh, Doyle Webb with us. He is the uh, GOP uh, state chairman. We're going to talk to him about several different things. And then I'll bring you up to date uh, as well of what we've already talked about. And uh, I'm going to play a piece uh, from the minority leader in the House about uh, Congresswoman Pelosi and his thoughts on her. Not real positive for her, just to be honest. Today, some sun, and then we're going to see clouds. Uh, It'll be an all right day, but not as nice as it was yesterday. Yesterday was absolutely almost perfect. 73 for a high. Rain is going to move in at about 3 o'clock in the morning. 
uh, and give us showers. And those showers are going to last through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and into next week. So if you've got to do some outdoor work, you want to get things set up for your above-ground garden, things of that nature, today's the day to do it, or you're going to be, you know, sitting back and, and waiting. Uh, look for a high of 73 today. Right now, 52 in Little Rock. Conway's 53. Cabot, 53. Hot Springs at 52. Pine Bluff at 53. And I'll be back with Doyle Webb when we continue the Dave Ellswick Show. minutes after a final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Thursday. Special guest uh, joins us, and that is Doyle Webb, chairman of the state GOP. And Doyle, thanks for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show, though we have to do it with social distancing. It's still good to have you join us today. Hey, Dave, I'm glad to be with you. I cleared my schedule. You know how it is with this. Since we're working at home, I I cleared my schedule so I could be with you this morning. Well, it's good to have you. Let let me start off with the big question right off the top. Yesterday, uh, national news, one of the big stories was that, you know, the uh, presumptive Democratic uh, nominee for president, uh, Joe Biden, said, hey, we don't really need to have a convention. And if we go, if we're going to have it, let's not have it until uh, till August. Uh, your thoughts, how would it play for Biden since the Democrats are showing a huge energy gap with the Republicans about the election coming up? Do you think that would have a huge effect on him not having a, a convention? You know, uh, Dave, our our convention, the Republican convention, is set for August the 24th yeah. uh, in Charlotte. I think there is a concern. I, I personally think, uh, and I think we've all observed it, there could be uh, a health issue with Biden. And he may be wanting to put off that uh, on-air time. Uh, early on to where there's less time for a convention uh, or and for the campaign itself. But clearly, clearly the momentum is on the side of Republicans, and I don't see the momentum changing no matter what they do. President Trump's doing a great job. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Biden is down in his basement. I guess he's got a little studio down in his basement or whatever, and he puts out these uh, occasional uh, like podcast uh, things, and none of the media is paying any attention to it. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, you know, uh, his 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 governor uh, Cuomo is getting a lot more attention than he is, and of course, no one is paying attention. Uh, Trump is dominating the news, as is as is our governor. Our Asa Hutchinson is doing a great job as well. Yes, he is, but. Um, 
I, th- I think that Biden is in a difficult situation. He doesn't have the information that Trump has, that the presidency has. I think he is not at the top of his game. Uh, and I'm not sure what the top of his game ever was, you know, but uh, it's he's not at the top of the game. And their convention was set uh, earlier than ours. And I guess there's a concern. They have a twofold concern. One is social distancing. And I believe the other problem is they have not raised the funds necessary to have their convention and uh, to qualify for some federal funds. I think that's going to create a problem for them as well. Yeah, go go talk about that a little bit more, Doyle, because, you know, you are one of the longest running. In fact, you are the longest running state chairman in the Republican Party, and uh, you're working on the convention on the Republican side. So I'm going to say that what the Democrats do is kind of a, a mirror image to some aspects of this. What are some real problems that the Democrats are are facing? And you just brought up one, and that's money. Money. They, you have to raise, uh, I believe it's $16 million to, uh, we, we do. And, of course, that's the reason our convention is uh, uh, better funded, if you will, because we have a smaller convention. We have fewer delegates and alternates than they have. Uh, matter of fact, when they left Charlotte from their convention a few years back, they left owing millions of dollars to vendors in Charlotte. And so uh, they have, the the DNC has not raised the money uh, that the RNC is raising day in and day out. And that's a tribute to President Trump and a tribute to our millions of small donors that are contributing to the RNC. But you've got logistics, you've got the problem of uh, contracts, you, you 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 have a concern can delegates afford to go to the convention you know with what's going on in our uh, society will they be able to go to the democrat national convention um and he he may he may want to try and put it off to uh secure uh his nomination although he has the votes uh if there is a concern about his health, uh, you know, there might be a move to try and do something different there. We'll have to see what the superdelegates might try and do in that right. regard. So let's let's talk a little bit on the Republican side, which I'm sure you're well-versed on being, like you said, I call you one of the grand potentates uh, of the Republican Party. <laughs> the grand poopahs. Yeah, right. that's right. So you're, you're, you're privy to a lot of things other people aren't. Where are we as far as August go? I mean, August 24th, that's quite a ways away. Plus, the, the temperature should be uh, getting high, mm-hmm. which should prove fatal to uh, this disease to some uh, some extent so what's the conversation amongst the the power elite shall we say amongst in the in the republican party yeah what what we're doing right now let me kind of give you this you know a lot of states uh the governor has shifted their primaries shifted delegate selection and uh as the general counsel for the rnc we're having to go through a process of giving waivers to some of these states because 
things are not happening on the dates that they stated that they would back when they submitted their proposal back in October of last year. Right. So the executive committee of the RNC at the recommendation of the uh, legal counsel has get, uh, established a method of waivers so that states who are going to have their example, Ohio, going to have their primary in may have shifted it uh we're we're making all allowances possible to uh allow these states to get their delegates selected for and and the deadline for delegate selection is july the 10th on the republican side okay all right so july the 10th uh, we've we've had to shift our dates in Arkansas. We didn't have to give a waiver because our proposal allowed for such changes. Our rules also allow for electronic meetings if we have to have it. Uh, and so our county committees right now, our 75 county committees, are electing uh, uh, delegates to special district conventions that will be held sometime in May that will, each district convention will elect three delegates and three alternates to the national convention. And then we will have our state committee meeting, which was set for May 30th. We have shifted that into uh, June, on June the 20th, to elect another 25 delegates and 25 alternates. Um, there is no plan to not have our convention as it is planned. Uh, we are not, uh, you know, uh, we, we believe this this will have passed or that we will have learned how to deal with it or will be better prepared to deal with it by August. And so the plan is we will be in Charlotte and we will gavel in on August the 24th. I'll actually be there a week before because the committees start meeting the week before credentials, rules, platform. Um, so our, our plan is full speed ahead on the date planned. Yeah, we've got to, we, we're going to get our, uh, yeah, we'll be there to do uh, a broadcast live from that. I'm looking forward to that as well as we're uh, working already, getting ready to get our information in for our credentials and everything that we, we have to do that. I mean, people don't realize how, how early you got to get this thing done because there are oh. thousands of people coming. You're exactly right. We'll have forty to 50,000 people in Charlotte uh, in a town that has about 30,000 residents living downtown. Charlotte's a great town. I, I'm really hopeful that uh, uh, we will get to experience it close up and personal. And I'm hopeful Arkansas will be uh, close into town and maybe downtown as our delegate oh, delegation stays there. Let me give you another idea. Arkansas has 37 delegates and 37 alternates. Uh, which, uh, in addition, we are three national committee people. My, myself, John L. Fulmer from Fort Smith, Jonathan Barnett, national committee man from Salem Springs. So we have 40 delegates, 37 alternates. That is the largest delegation that we're allowed to have under the rules of the RNC because we've been so successful in Arkansas. Uh, mm-hmm. We're allocated extra delegates by having a Republican governor, by uh, having the majority in both houses, our congressional delegation. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're about the 24th to 25th largest delegation uh, wow. at, the, at the convention, which says a lot for Arkansas. Uh, and we started that process uh, 
people wanting to be a delegate and or an alternate had to file by March the 2nd and pledge which presidential candidate they would uh, be supportive of. And, of course, people chose Trump. Uh, so we have now we had we had 90 individuals file for the uh, 74 spots. OK, wow. so when, you, when you count delegates and alternates, uh, 74 spots. So we're hopeful uh, that if any of our people who filed want to go, we'll be either get them elected as a delegate, an alternate or get them a visitor pass where they can uh, enjoy the renomination of Donald J. Trump to president of the United States. I'm loving it. We'll be back. I'm going to take a break here, Doyle. Yeah. i got to get to, to traffic and weather Thanks in, somebody. and then we'll come back and yeah. talk some more. Uh, Doyle, Doyle Webb is our guest. He's the uh, state GOP chairman uh, for the Republican Party of Arkansas. we got other questions, and he'll have plenty to say, I'm sure, when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget our good friends at PI Roofing. Stand ready to help you take care of your roof or put you know, windows in or gutters on or do repairs inside of your house because you've had a leak. They're ready to do uh, their thing for you. And here's how they can help you out during this time of you know, social distancing. They can do everything you need to have done. And keep the social distancing going. To figure out what needs to be done at your house, they can do it uh, over the phone talking to you. They can do it by uh, working on the Internet. All of that can help them get things done. And you won't have to worry about your roof. Uh, That's just one thing that you can put on the back burner when you're worrying more about, you know, keeping your social distancing and things of that nature and not getting this virus yourself. So keep that in mind, that the folks at PI Roofing understand what you're going through. They're going to do everything they can do to make this as easy as possible uh, for you. If you do have a problem with your roof, all you got to do, go to PIRoofing.com. That's uh, PIRoofing.com, and they'll be able to help you uh, uh, with that so you can take a look at it and make sure uh, that things are good. If you want to call them instead of uh, doing it on the Internet, it's 707-3551, the number to give them uh, a call. Let them know that you called because you heard me uh, give them the uh, information uh, that you yeah, that that uh, you you acted on, and during the uh, coronavirus pandemic, no PI Roofing is adjusting the way that they do business to help you. Emergency assistance, flexible payment options, video conferencing, non-evasive appointments, express production times, peace of mind. That's all. P.I. Roofing. All right, our guest, Doyle Webb, we got him to the end of the hour. We've got about six minutes left. And, uh, Doyle, how are things looking for November in the great state of Arkansas? Dave, we feel very good about it. Uh, Fortunately, once again, uh, 
being conservatives, we have raised our funds that we need for our campaigns, uh, and we're prepared to go forward. We've gotten through the runoffs now. We've nominated some great people uh, up in Jonesboro and up in Benton County. There was a couple runoffs, two runoffs in Benton County, one over in uh, Jonesboro. I feel very good about that race. It's going to be a different kind of race. Uh, we'll see if there's a, a reflare of the, this coronavirus back in the fall. But uh, we have some great conservative candidates who have been working hard and are already known within their communities. So, you know, Doyle, how difficult has it been uh, for the Republican Party in general because of coronavirus? I mean, uh, you're talking about switching uh, dates around, but I don't think people realize how important switching dates around and the problems that that causes. Well, it's very difficult. You know, our people, like all our Kansans, are are very, uh, they love to get together and they love to visit. And now we're having to have county conventions by telephone conferences. That's that's a different thing. That's that's uh, different for us, and it's some it's a it's a it's, as they would say a new normal that we're having to get used to. But Republicans are getting used to it in Arkansas. You know, in our primary runoffs, uh, people had to quit going door to door. They had to get get on the phone and try and get votes out or encourage absentee right. ballots. So it's just a new way of campaigning. Uh, I'm hopeful that we'll be back to the old way before long. Well, nationally, has any discussion gone on about uh, the coronavirus flares up, becomes, you know, we got national election day, state elections, and how we'll take part in voting? Or are things already being talked about concerning that? Well, we're very concerned uh, about that, certainly. If we if we look at these primaries and, and what Governor Hutchison did on relaxing the rules on absentee voting and some of the dates there, that worked out seemingly very well. Uh, we're always concerned and opposed to mail-in voting just because of the security of mail-in voting. And you know, many times uh, races can be won or lost by just a few votes. That's so right. security is always an issue. Uh, you know, we believe that, that it's full speed ahead, that we'll be able to have the elections just like we had originally planned to have them in November. Uh, I'm sure uh, that there are some alternate plans being looked at, but uh, at this point we're hopeful that we'll have this thing contained and uh, be able to deal with it in a proper fashion. All right, two minutes left. Anything you want to add that I haven't mentioned? Well, you know, I, I, like everyone, I want to thank our uh, Healthcare workers, our doctors, our nurses, anyone that has to get out in society to take care of others, they're certainly doing so, I believe, sacrificially, and I hope our government rewards them for their efforts. Uh, Dave, I appreciate you and what you do and all of the communications that are going on. I think uh, communication and information is very important in these times. Uh, we're working at home. So uh, anyone that needs the Republican Party, they can get in touch with us, and uh, we're, we're ready to, to keep moving this, this, uh, this state forward and this nation forward as we conquer this, this uh, enemy. All right. Keeping the train going forward, that's the key. Absolutely. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Doyle. Thank Appreciate you, your time. Thank and you. Have a good Thank day. You. 
All right, Doyle Webb, who is the chairman of the state Republican Party. A lot of interesting things that he had to say there. Uh, It sounds to me like uh, the state party and the national party have been working, uh, you know, hand in glove and uh, making sure that uh, things go off on a uh, on a good note. There's there's been no talk of canceling the convention. Uh, Democrats are talking about canceling theirs or at least putting it back uh, to August. Uh, The Republicans have theirs starting on August 24th. I will be there live. We will broadcast live uh, from uh, Charlottesville or Charlotte's and looking forward to that uh, in the near future. All right. 52 degrees here in Little Rock. We've got uh, sunshine for a little while, then clouds and a high of 73. Right now, let's hear what Sean Hannity has for us on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Final half hour coming your way in just a moment here at 101.1 FM. The answer. Here's Sean. A little earlier, I was talking about Nancy Pelosi and how she's already begun uh, pushing uh, for phase four of uh, this whole thing dealing with the coronavirus. Phase three, the ink isn't even dry. It's just getting underway. I had read a story uh, early this morning uh, from, uh, I think it was Barron's, uh, telling us that uh, the uh, Small Business Administration is just today starting uh, to make loans available uh, to businesses, which are, by the way, forgivable loans, uh, where you don't, uh, I think for the first uh, three to four weeks, don't have to pay them back. And hopefully three or four weeks will get a lot of uh, these companies through uh, the uh, process of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, if you didn't hear today, uh, the news came out that the latest in the um, uh, unemployment numbers were just huge. I do mean huge uh, as far as unemployment numbers went. Uh, unemployment numbers right now are uh, latest uh, information just coming from the Daily Caller. Uh The U.S. Department of Labor announced today that roughly 6.6 million Americans filed unemployment claims this past week, bringing the two-week total to nearly 10 million people. 10 million people. Uh, The past two weeks have both shattered the weekly high mark for claims, specifically 695,000 back in 82. Some economists have originally predicted 3.1 million jobless claims in the same time frame. Uh, It's been noted that the new numbers likely undershoot the actual number of Americans now out of work as states have had trouble actually tallying the total number of jobless claims. Some people sent me uh, uh, information yesterday saying people going to the unemployment offices are, uh, you know, being told to come back because they're just being inundated right now as far as uh, that's uh, concerned. Uh, President Trump signaled he wants to include a $2 trillion infrastructure component into now phase four but uh, and he said on Monday that with interest rates for the United States being at zero, and in fact, in some instances, negative numbers, this is the time to do our decades long awaited infrastructure 
bill. So, uh, you know, this is something that we've got to think about. Uh, do we want to do we want to do it now or not? Uh, a lot of talk has to go into it. Uh, this is the biggest uh, amount of money being spent, the most unemployment that we're going to see since the Great Depression, uh, the most money that we've spent uh, percentage of GDP since World War Two. So uh, you are living in historic times. Uh, if you're a young person, this is a time you're going to want to remember because it is definitely historical times uh, for you now of what uh, you will go through, uh, you know, keeping your jobs, making your payments on your bills and, and things of that nature. One of the good things about being alive now that we didn't have back in the 20s and 30s and 40s is that we have a much stronger economy now than we had then. And uh, our country is able to help people in these uh, tough times. Unemployment now has been granted for four months, and you're going to get 100% of your pay. Now, that's unheard of. Typically, uh, back when I was a, a young man, uh, you got about 60%. Uh, then it, they moved it up after uh, 9-11. You got up to close to 80% now, 100% of your pay for a total of uh, four months. Uh, when I was younger, two months. Then it moved to three. Now it's four because of these unprecedented times. So we'll see how that plays for Wall Street. But over the last two weeks, 10 million workers filing for unemployment. Keep that in mind. All right. It's Dave Ellswick's show. I uh, had been talking about how Nancy Pelosi was, you know, wanting to put uh, new fuel restrictions on airplanes and, and cars and, and uh, new Green Deal crap and all kinds of things into, uh, quote, this phase four deal. Again, I don't think we should need to talk about phase four until we get phase three integrated and see where we're at. But if there is a phase four, it's about the coronavirus, not about changing America as we know it uh, by, uh, you know, instituting all these socialist programs. And that will be a, uh, a huge fight, I'm sure, uh, in, in Congress and with the president if she tries to do that. In fact, um, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, talked about this earlier in the week. I hadn't been able to play it. We've had so much stuff that we've been trying to get out to you. And uh, so I wanted to let you hear this segment right now. It's about eight minutes long, so stay with us. It's a good eight minutes uh, of, of content for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joining me right now is House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. And Congressman, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me back on. So is it necessary to have these lockdowns on, uh, obviously, the tri-state area and throughout the country at this point? I think it is necessary because when you look at uh, the number of deaths but also the number of individuals have it, a large portion of that is from this tri-state. This president's trying to get ahead of it, just as he made that very smart decision for stopping the flights from China coming in as well. These are protections for the rest of the nation. 
Let's talk about that relief bill uh, that you and your colleagues worked on, the president signing into law. Can you go through it, walk us through what's most important and what you believe will actually move the needle on economic growth? Because we know that we may very well be in a recession right now. Yes, this was very critical. It's more than a rescue. It's actually a commitment from your government. Uh, I wish we would have had this a week ago. Unfortunately, Democrats have held us up. But let's walk through the importance of this. First, it provides $140 billion to the hospitals. This is directly so they get liquidity, but also for that personal protection equipment that is so critical, because our medical community is really the modern-day soldier in this virus that we're battling. But for the small business owner, we want to make sure we're keeping people employed. And if you were a small business, 500 employees to just a gig worker yourself, you get a guaranteed loan from government for two and a half times your payroll. If you use that money to pay your employees, if you already laid them off, bring them back and pay them, pay your rent, pay your utilities, and that is forgiven. No longer a loan, but a grant. If you are a larger business, you get a guaranteed loan, but you also get a retention program in there through a tax advantage that government will pay for half of your employee uh, salary. That's an ability to keep people working. Then the individual checks that will go and start in three weeks, $1,200 per person, $2,400 per couple, $500 per child, Right. And it'll start phasing down after earning $75,000. This is critical to get us through the next two months and get this economy coming back, just like a hockey stick looks at. We'll have a couple tough so, months. So this is the next about, two months. But we can have the strongest economy. You, you said that. Yes. You said the next two months, and Secretary Mnuchin said the same thing, 10 to 12 weeks uh, to, to address the dislocation just in the next 10 to 12 weeks. So does that mean we're getting another stimulus, a, a, a fourth package after the next 10 to 12 weeks? I'm not sure we need a fourth package. And before, before we go to start drafting a fourth package, I'd like these three packages we just put out. Remember, it's more than $2 trillion, the largest we've ever seen, to take care and get this economy moving. Remember, for unemployment insurance, we're adding another $600 above what your state pays. We start yeah. paying in the first week, and we give you additional 13 weeks. What concerns me is when I listen to Nancy Pelosi talk about a fourth package now, it's because she did not get yeah. in the things that she really wanted, to change the election law, a Green New Deal, expand, make us pay for Planned Parenthood, and expand what, what you're seeing for sanctuary cities. Those are the things why this bill was held up for a week, but those are the things that we stopped. That is so outrageous that you were actually being asked to consider uh, funding Planned Parenthood at a time that we are in this crisis situation where you're trying to come up with a relief package. I just want to share with you what Nancy Pelosi said this morning, though, Congressman, because she is just saying this right now. President Trump's denial at the beginning of this was deadly and that right now, as he fiddles her, her words, as he fiddles, people are dying. This is what Nancy Pelosi said this morning. Your reaction. Well, what I see is that Nancy is trying to cover herself in the Democratic Party because the amount of damage that they had just done in the last week, requesting about changing election law, that her number three in her own party said they wanted to restructure government, take the opportunity of a crisis. And Maria, what happened last week, 3.2 million Americans lost their job, six times higher than in the financial crisis, higher than the Great Depression, Mm. all because Democrats wanted to put their liberal parts in. But this president 
president fought for it. This president stopped that. And what's most importantly is history will not be kind to the Democrats. Holding up that week was so critical. When you look at the action that President Trump took, the one of the first to stop that the Chinese would be coming into America, or Europe as well, and their own party criticized the president uh, for doing those actions, but it saved thousands of lives, just as he wanted to move this bill. I was sitting in that meeting last Sunday. This bill is 99% where it was last Sunday, but Nancy Pelosi held it up, bragged to her members in the idea of changing Green New Deal, Planned Parenthood, changing election law, and expanding sanctuary cities. Nothing to do with mm. coronavirus. They did get $24 well, million more dollars for the Kennedy she Center. She tells... She- Yes, exactly. $25 million for the Kennedy Center. And yet she tells a completely different story. You know this. You know that she said that she did jujitsu on the plan. She said we had to do jujitsu to change it, to, to get it where it is. And then, of course, you've got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And what she said on Friday, watch this. Got to get your reaction, Congressman. What did the Senate majority fight for? One of the largest corporate bailouts with as few strings as possible in American history. Shameful. The greed of that fight is wrong. You saw that. Your reaction. Yes. Well, it's not a time for theatrics. This is time to actually get the bill done. But if you listen to these Democrats, that is exactly what they want to do. They're more concerned about a foreign country or foreign individual than they are about America themselves. And not only Mm. do we have to fight this, remember, the virus is here. We did not invite it. We did not ask for it. But we will defeat it together. And that's exactly what this bill does. Unfortunately, we were held up a week by the Democrats. Ninety-nine percent of this bill was done last Last week, it's exactly the same from the 13 extra weeks, from the small business, from the large business, from the hospitals. But Pelosi's in trouble based upon hurting Americans because they want to restructure this to look more like the socialist views they believe in. So, so let's end on some optimism, uh, Congressman, because I know that you had a phone call this morning uh, with, uh, with managers of businesses, CEOs in the pharma sector. Tell us what you're expecting. Uh, and this uh, feels like a newfound partnership between business and, and government right now. I know that uh, the president has been calling lots of different groups, CEOs to the White House, to try to figure out how business can, uh, can uh, help here. What have you learned? This is the great thing about America, the ingenuity. I was talking to a consortium from the very best medical individuals to the very highest CEOs, working together with government to get that personal protection equipment coming into America. And as we know, China has gotten a large portion of that supply chain. Unfortunately, we just found out, one of the highest CEOs told me, that she came in and took one of our factories where we were purchasing millions of the equipment to come over here to give it to France because they're trying to take more of the market share for Huawei, that France will agree to allow Huawei into their industry once again from the, from the equipment to using this, this tragic situation to, to get more of the supply chain in, an, in another industry. But what we're seeing in America, Mm. look at what Abbott just came out this week, that they have a new ability to get a test results for coronavirus in as fast as five minutes. We're we're already into a trial one test for a virus. The ingenuity of America will overcome this. We will be stronger. But we have to look at the supply chain, something that President Trump has told us about from the very beginning. China has too much control of our medical equipment, too much control when it comes to pharmaceuticals, too much control of 
critical minerals, we've got to take this back and keep it inside America mm. so we can, we can combat not only this, but other things in the future. Definitely one of the most important lessons from all of this. Uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, good to see you, sir. Thanks so much. All right, there you have it. Great segment there uh, with uh, the Senate, or the, pardon me, the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. And uh, he said a whole lot of things we've been saying with a whole lot of different people over this week here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, but the bottom line, at, at the very end, that whole thing about supply chains and getting them out of uh, China and getting them back here in the shores of America are very, very, very important. It's something we must learn from uh, this uh, uh experience that we're going through right now all right we're going to take a break come back and uh, get uh, our final few moments Uh, don't forget robert steinbach tomorrow on the show and uh, i'm sure we'll have some other people i'm going to give a call to dr terry yamauchi see if he'll join us early in the morning to talk about the uh, coronavirus from a state uh, standpoint We'll see if we can't get him on to do that. So Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back, final segments here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, we talked about the president being called racist in January uh, by Biden and by Pelosi and by a bunch of nincompoop uh, uh, liberals. And, and some of you are listening right now, and I want you to take notice when the president closed off air travel from China. Well, he probably mitigated uh, the, the virus getting into America a lot earlier than it did. I mean, Biden called him, you know, a xenophobe. Well, th- this goes on in other places in the world as well. This whole political correctness, ridiculousness uh, goes on in other countries. Also, the governor of the Italian region most devastated by the Chinese coronas, uh, uh, coronavirus said he was called racist by his colleagues in government for wanting coronavirus tests for uh, travelers coming into Italy from China. Uh, he wasn't try- turning them away. He just wanted to have them tested. Now, I want you to just think how stupid uh, those people that were calling him a racist were. You got people coming in from the hottest spot in the world about this virus. And you just wanted to give them a test to make sure they're not coming into your country, bringing this virus with them. And you're called a racist. Folks, sooner or later, some common sense and logic will hopefully make its way into the thick skulls of these people. I mean, this is just absolute ignorance on their parts. Lombardi Governor Antilio Fontana said he was, quote, mocked with, uh, you know, insolent words like racist by his colleagues in February because he had asked for coronavirus testing from people coming in from China. And we already knew that the people in China were, uh, you know, undergoing a huge uh, influx of people getting uh, uh, this virus. Uh, he's a member of Italy's Lega Party, or the League, currently led by the foreign prime minister, Matteo Savini. Uh, quote, I am surprised that you accuse me of misunderstanding the problem. 
while someone in the room shouted shame at him. Nevertheless, Fontana continued proclaiming that he had been called racist for wanting to check people coming in from China before the coronavirus started in Italy. So he wanted to do the right thing, uh, but ended up stopping because he was being called names, evidently. Uh, Thank God for our president who uh, controlled the airports uh, here in America and cut off uh, flights coming in uh, from China, even though people were calling him uh, a xenophobe. One of those people that made it really, really clear that what he thought of the president was the Democratic presumptive nominee uh, for president, Joe Biden. Thank God he's not president right now. Only know where we'd be right now if he had been president of the United States. So if I sound like I'm really pro-Trump, yeah, I think he's doing a great job under uh, huge duress, to be honest with you. All right, tomorrow, Robert Steinbach will be with us. We're going to talk about the unemployment numbers today. Uh, The stock market right now holding flat. Uh, No big sell-offs going on right now. It's holding flat. Uh, Everybody knew the unemployment numbers were going to be bad, and they were. All right, back to you tomorrow, 6 a.m. on the Dave Elford Show.